Welcome fellow pilots and other podcast listeners to another episode of the Alaska Pilots Podcast. I'm your host, Strategic Communications Chairman Captain David Campbell, and today this episode will be dedicated to discussing exclusively the bid award results for bid 2020-11A. I'll be discussing this topic with your membership committee chairman, Will Swoveland. Joining us also will be Will McQuillan, Chris Gruner, and Ronan O'Donohue. I expect that this episode will be of interest to those of you who were affected by the bid results, particularly those who received a captain upgrade, those who were downgraded to first officer position, and especially if you weren't expecting to be, really any position change that may have occurred to you, pilots who will be out on an EIL, and also Remember that the company will post other bids in the future, and so the information contained in this episode may very well become relevant to you in the future. Will, thanks for joining me, and why don't you start this off by giving us an overview of what has occurred in the awarding of the bid. Well, third time's a charm, right? Uh, We kind of entered into this knowing that this first bid result was going to be uh, interesting because with with the added complexity of, of all these folks out on EIL, it kind of set the stage for unbalancing the bases, which the company knew as well, and they were willing to accept uh, that result. But it was we were just going to have to kind of wait and see how the dust settled on this first one. Uh, chalk that up with the pent-up demand of the, the last previous bids that have been canceled. You know, there were a lot of folks waiting to get into positions that they've been waiting on for a long time. So this was their opportunity. So there were a lot of downgrades in this one, or certainly more than we've seen in the in the past. What? Why is that? Yeah. Well, as was mentioned in the previous episode of the podcast, when a bid is published that has vacancies and reductions, the vacancies are awarded first. Now, this helps maximize the number of pilots getting to where their seniority can hold voluntarily before re- running reductions, which forces pilots to move. So using this method, uh, the number of forced reductions was cut down, for example, 320 LA captains down to 12 instead of 20. For San Francisco captains, it was all the way down to 7 instead of 20. Uh, Even better on the FO side of the house, where all 20 required reductions in both bases were actually met by pilots bidding out voluntarily. In fact, there ended up being proffered FO vacancies to award on the Airbus. All right, so hang on, Swobe. Am I hearing that right? Even though we're reducing the Airbus fleet, there are going to be a number of initial training events in the Airbus? Yeah. So Swoveland, this bid, obviously, there's a lot of pilots who are on EILs, and they also participate in the bid. So how do they get threaded into this? Yeah, good question. Technically, this was nothing really new process-wise as the bid award process has handled extra bidders for years, like for example, base chief pilots, full-time union positions, pilots returning from extended military leaves, et cetera. However, the sheer volume of extras along with the fact that we had reductions on this bid made it a very complex one to process. For EIL pilots during the vacancy awarding phase, they could secure a position in another base or other seat while on EIL And in doing so, they would not fill a vacancy, which means more pilots could still be awarded that position until all the vacancies were filled with non-EIL pilots. So in in other words, 
What you really need is a pilot to physically occupy the seat of an airplane to fulfill the needs of the vacancy. And the, quote, extra, unquote, pilot won't do that. Yeah, exactly. So in all, 64 pilots were able to grab these, you know, quote, unquote, extra positions before the vacancies were filled. Uh, Then again, as reductions were processed, another 24 were able to land at least somewhere higher up their reduction bid preference by being carried as extras in base. Even eight first officers were awarded extra captain positions and they'll now have the option to leave their EIL and return to train as a captain or defer training, remain out on EIL as an FO, and then uh, at the end of their, their EIL duration, come back and train at that time. In the end, the seniority system had its say, and many new senior first officers uh, are exercising their right to captain upgrades. And unfortunately, in the process, uh, the most junior of our captains just didn't have the seniority to hang on. So on a bid with zero extra vacancies, uh, coupled with uncertain times in the industry and a backlog of two canceled bids, uh, this result was somewhat inevitable. Chris, you're in that camp, right? Yeah, actually, David, both me and Rob Casey on the negotiating committee were awarded captain positions on a previous bid, and we were just delaying the upgrade while we're on the negotiating committee. And both of us were um, downgraded on this current bid. Um, What I'll say is, you know, like on an individual level, right, obviously it's not ideal. But when I look at see how the system worked, you know, there's people that were able to get these opportunities to upgrade based on their seniority. So, I mean, first, I'm really happy for them. And then uh, secondly, that seniority worked throughout this process. So I'm glad that all of those pieces came together. And most importantly, all of our pilots still have jobs. So when we look at this EIL program and how it was supposed to work, um, you know, I'm not sacrificing anything. I'm just bidding, you know, per the way that this would have run one way or the other, right? And so um, it's not something that I'm giving up because of this. It's run the way it would have been run one way or the other. But because of this program, the only thing that changed is that we have pilots that are able to provide for their families. So how will those pilots who are on an EIL know whether and what their award is? Yeah, this is one of the things that's a little different from published results in the past. So typically pilots that are carried as an extra position somewhere aren't listed on the award and they aren't listed on the final BPLs because they're not bidding a line. Uh, the sheer number of pilots on EIL, however, for this bid, we decided to be able, for clarity's sake, uh, just to put everyone's um, name on there. And on the bid award results itself, the EIL pilots won't find their names because they are by definition being carried as extras. However, they can figure out what their award was by looking at the published BPLs for November 1 and just find where their name is and whatever BPL they're on, that is the position that they were awarded uh, in an extra capacity. So they'll just have to pick up any, go, essentially go through each base position list yep. until they find themselves. Yeah, assuming a pilot remembers you know, roughly what their bid looked like, they can figure out, well, if I'm no longer in San Francisco, what did I bid for? Am I there? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah the, the Bid results format didn't really lend itself towards um, illustrating where EIL pilots landed. So it just, it became easiest and clearest to give everybody 
the same view on BPL so they can see both active, and I say active, you know, non-EIL pilots and EIL pilots alike, they can kind of get a sense of where they are in their base position now, factoring in the folks that are still here flying and the folks that are out on EIL. Right. And, you know, I might take this opportunity to remind pilots once again that whether you're actively flying or on an EIL, make sure you bid. There will be bids in the future and you want to make sure that you have a full, com- excuse me, a full defensive bid on file. And I, I think we some people didn't do that in this round, right? Yeah, unfortunately, again, in the results, you'll see that there were some pilots who either did not submit a bid or the bid they submitted did not have enough choices on it. And they were unfortunately either reduced or displaced by another pilot from their position. And the company had to figure out where to put them. And when there isn't enough choices or no choices at all, the only option the company has is to go to 24E6 and work through those steps. And and that happened again on this, this bid. Right. So keep that in mind next time. And I mean, maybe you don't, maybe there's a point where the pilots don't care what happens to them, but if, if they do, you know, always die with a will as, um, McQuillan likes to say. Yeah. We would much rather pilots get something that they had a say in Mm -hmm. than, than just leaving it up to contract language to determine where they go. Even if you're at the very, very bottom and you're thinking to yourself, what does it matter? Well, at least have a say in it. In fact, this one, it did matter. There were several pilots at the very, very bottom that did get moved. Yeah, this one was interesting because there were so many pilots actually left some of the bases that were facing reductions that we ended up with vacancies that had to be filled in those bases. So even the most junior pilots uh, found themselves moving positions, uh, and some of them moved via uh, 24E6 instead of their own potential choices. Let's remember too that vacation bidding is coming up in September and pilots should be aware of that. Will, how is that going to affect pilots who have a a new position? So vacation bidding is going to open and vacation bids are submitted and awarded based off of the base position that you hold on January 1. So this bid that we just, uh, or that the company just published the results for uh, has a November 1 effective date. There will not be another position bid prior to January 1. So where you landed on this bid is where you will bid for vacation. And it does it bears mention again, if you are on an extended incentive line, you are eligible to and you should be bidding for vacation, not just under the prospects of maybe, you know, to anchor your vacation after your return from your extended incentive line, or perhaps your motivation is to add that extra pay, you know, to those months, um, or, you know, is a hedge against possibly being recalled, you know, early from your, your extended incentive line. Either way, just make sure that you, you bid, participate. So there's one other little quirk about this particular bid, and that is, you alluded to it earlier, it's the third bid in a way that two were canceled. And because of that, there's a number of pilots who have been left in this kind of training limbo. And what's happening with those pilots? It's a good question, David. Um, There were 77, as you know, in the May 1st award that was canceled back in March. And essentially, out of that 77, 25-ish, approximately 25, um, were sent back to their seats. So 
they if they were Boeing in Boeing captain, they were previously Boeing FOs and they were Boeing captains, they were put back into Boeing FO positions because that was an easy transition. But for a lot of the folks that were coming over from the Airbus or that were well on into their training, they needed a lot more training to be done than uh, just a simple two-day recall event. So those guys have been pretty much hanging out, and 50, just a little over 50, have been hanging out since March on home in that training, caught in that training uh, bubble. So what will happen to those guys is essentially they'll get wound back now, whatever their awarded position is, on the next effective date, they will be trained to that position and they'll be put into a training plan. Where this is really, really important that, that guys are paying attention on this one is, I talked to Garen about this quite a bit, and he's working with the training committee and uh, with the company's training uh, folks as well, and to make sure that these guys receive the training that they, they need, and um, not an abbreviated course or not some sort of a, a different um, method of training them like they start where they stopped or, or something like that. These folks need to make sure that they're they're taken care of and the the, the union is definitely um, very proactive in making sure that that happens. And Garen's actually heading up that project. All right, well, that's good to know. There was a lot of movement on this bid. Is that going to be typical of, of bids in the future? Honestly, that's unknown. Uh, you know, the company got the results from this one. They now have to take those results and come up with a plan to move forward on. Uh, Ronan was just talking about part of it, you know, coming up with a training plan and then figuring out, okay, here's our new reality. What's the next step? So that's, that's still being worked out. And do we have any idea when the next bid might be? Yeah, it is. Uh, again, I have to stress that this is an estimate, but it is anticipated that the next effective date position bid will be 31 January 2021. So let's talk about what happens to those pilots who are on an EIL and either were awarded an upgrade or were displaced into a FO position. What what options and, and what obligations do they have? Yeah, this is really important point to bring up is the, the bid results are out by now for everyone. And, and unfortunately, some folks are realizing now that they were captains and they've lost that seat. And other folks are, are probably happy that they're first officer and they're getting the chance to upgrade. Uh, what's complicating that is maybe by the time this bid rolls out uh, that they're going to be on an EIL. So they have a decision to make and they don't have a whole lot of time to make it. Uh, for those of you that were subject to either a downgrade or awarded an upgrade and your plan was to be out on EIL, a flight crew admin is going to be contacting you directly via email uh, with a form that you're going to have to fill out. You're going to have five days from the time you get that form to respond to it with your intent of either to return and in the case of a captain losing their upgrade, uh, return to be a full-time first officer and no longer be on EIL, or for FOs who are awarded an upgrade, you have the option of either returning to train and being a full-time flying captain, or stay out on your EIL as an FO and then train as a captain at the end of your EIL. Again, you only have five days from when she sends you this email to make that decision. And I need to stress to everyone is, if you wait more than five days to respond to this, they will assume that you intend to stay out on EIL. So check your company emails. If, if you are in that bucket, you've suffered a, a downgrade or been awarded an upgrade, 
And in the next 24 hours, if you have not seen something from Flight Crew Admin, you need to start making some noise. Reach out to us, ALA membership at alpa.org, and direct to uh, Diane Myers at Flight Crew Administration. And, and just so I'm clear, if, if one of these pilots makes a decision to exit the EIL and enter training, then they stay as a line pilot. They're, you can't go train and then go back into your EIL. That's right. Once you exit your EIL to train, be it upgrade or downgrade, you are here for the duration. You're not going back out on EIL. So if I'm a, a um, I'm like a 737 captain now in LA, and I was awarded a um, EIL 18-month Let's just say I was an Airbus captain in San Francisco. If they start recalling those buckets, which group do I belong to? You belong to the the your awarded bucket. So if you were an Airbus pilot and you got awarded an extra position as now a Boeing pilot in LA, you and for your example, eighteen months, you are now a Boeing LA eighteen month EIL bucket person. So when they when they get to that bucket you're on the hook to come back. That makes sense because what they're trying to do is accomplish flying in a given base on a given time frame. So your original EIL award is really not relevant to their decision to pull you back. So Exactly. And that bears emphasizing that the recalls are base specific as well. If they need more bodies in a given base to cover you know, schedule adjustments, they may recall a lot more pilots in one base than another. So it's don't fall into the trap of thinking that, oh, well, uh, San Francisco still has guys out on six months, so they can't possibly recall six and nine months in L.A. Yes, they can. They have to do all the six first before they get into the nine, but they don't have to exist or exhaust the six-month EILs in every base, just yours. So Evelyn, there's just one more thing that's a little confusing. The seniority numbers on that those bid position lists that are out don't seem to match up with what's happening now yeah everyone's probably wondering why the bid results have their february seniority numbers instead of the august seniority numbers Uh, the simple reason is the window to submit bids actually opened before 1 august so the the uh, august 1 seniority list had not been finalized yet Um, so to keep things just clean as can be uh, Flight Crewman used the seniority uh, from February since that was the one in place when the bidding opened. And now that the bid is done, uh, the results are published with that February seniority number and then she'll start op- updating everyone to their August number. That had no effect on seniority. No effect. The seniority list is still the seniority list. It's just your your number on it changes, but the order of it doesn't change at all. Um, there's going to be quite a few changes here in short order as we come through because like you know everyone's staring at a bid result with February seniority numbers on it. Then August came and went and we now have an August uh, contractual CBA limit uh, seniority list. October 1, we're going to have a whole bunch of pilots uh, exit the, the property by way of early out programs and REILs. So Flight Crew Admin will be publishing a, a new um, you know, unofficial, but give everyone a better idea where they are now uh, after all those folks are gone. And then before you know it, it'll be February and we'll be updating it again. So, Will, a lot of the calls that have been coming in are from pilots confused when they see, and, and it may have happened to them themselves, that they were trying to get into a captain position and 
at the end of the day, they see that there's a junior pilot in the captain position that they were trying to get into. And that is very confusing for some. What's happening there? It, it is. And I can understand the confusion. I mean, this process isn't necessarily the most intuitive thing to understand. And the way we process it, you know, the rules that are laid out in the contract kind of stipulate we have to do this step first and then move on to this step. And and the situation you're talking about is actually a pretty good example to kind of dive into the contractual language and see why what happened happened. So for L.A. Boeing captains, there were uh, plenty of folks trying to bid in to the L.A. Boeing position. Now, the company only added five captain vacancies in there. And then as we started uh, uh, processing the bid, there were four additional captains that bid out. So if the five added captain vacancies and the four proffered vacancies allowed a total of nine L.A. Boeing captain vacancies to be filled by the pilot group. And the contract 24 E5 B and C is what kind of spells this out, says the company has to award all vacancies first. So in seniority order down the list. Uh, pilots were offered the opportunity to fill that position in L.A. And it ended up the the final vacancy, that ninth proffered vacancy, was filled by seniority number 1020. Up to this point, this is what we're used to seeing, right? There would right. be an opening, a vacant position that people request by bidding. And if their seniority holds it, they get it. End of story. And, and we're all used to that. Yep. Right? And 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 the that first step isn't any different than any other position bid that's run, starting with seniority number one and moving on down. Where do you want to go? Is there a vacancy available for you there? If so, do you know, do you take it or not? Assuming you know BP qualifiers and all that other stuff, it's it's a little more complicated, but essentially just like uh, pilots are used to. And in in this example, for the vacancy awarding portion of this bid. Uh, those nine vacancies were filled and then no more pilots bid out of L.A. Boeing captain, which would have created another vacancy. So essentially at seniority no- number 1020, no one else was getting in to L.A. Boeing captain. Because they'd all been filled. Because they'd been filled, right. Someone else would have to leave uh, to create an additional vacancy and that didn't happen. So the, the five vacancies the company put there and then the four proffered vacancies were filled. Now, the contract says on a bid that has vacancies and reductions, again, we have to run all of the vacancies first. So that was done. Then the company has to go back and process any of the outstanding reductions. And the the reason that's done second is that by doing it that way, there's a chance that you might not have to reduce the full amount of pilots. And on this bid, uh, instead of having to reduce 20 captains uh, out of the bus on L.A. and 20 captains out of the um, bus in San Francisco, some folks bid out voluntarily, which reduced the number of people that got involuntarily uh, taken from their base. So in the end, there were still 20 that came out of each base position, but at least some of those were voluntary choices and not involuntary displacements. Okay, so... The vacancy award phase is now done and the company has to move on to processing outstanding reductions. There were still outstanding reductions. So there were pilots left in bases that the the positions didn't exist for them to be there. So they were getting kicked out. Now, the contract is written this way 
to say that if you are one of the people that is getting involuntarily reduced out of your position, or if another pilot comes in to take your spot and, and you lose your position that way, you are given a kind of a, a superpower for a short period of time to then turn around and reinsert yourself somewhere where your seniority can hold. And this is very different from the vacancy awarding process where you can only go somewhere if there's a vacancy. If you are reduced or displaced, you now go wherever your seniority can hold. So you can look at any base position. And as long as you are senior to the most junior person there, you go there. The problem is that there's a finite number of base positions in every base. So when someone exercises that superpower to insert themselves into that base, it creates an extra position at the bottom called a bump. And that junior pilot is now displaced out of that base. And they are given that same kind of contractual superpower. So in processing this bid, phase one awarded all of the vacancies. Then phase two is where these reductions are accounted for. And we're not going seniority top to bottom anymore. We are reducing from the bottom up. So you end up with a situation where junior pilots who were too junior to maintain the positions they started with were either reduced or displaced out of their base and then had to go somewhere else that their seniority can hold. And because they can, they can go wherever they want as long as their seniority can hold it, uh, a lot of folks in this case chose to go LA Boeing captain. So you see the end results show senior folks up top taking the vacancies and then very junior folks uh, inserting themselves in by way of reduction or displacement language. Yeah, I think it seems it's really counterintuitive because you have a, a pilot, basically a, a very senior pilot, a relatively senior who couldn't hold the position in the initial phase. And then you look at the pilot who did get it and he's, he's not just junior to that pilot, but he's very junior to that pilot. And it, it causes you to scratch your head and go, how did that happen? Yeah, p potentially. Right. What, what needs to be remembered is the pilot that is, uh, that is given this power to kind of uh, bump and flush is only granted that because they have already been harmed. They are, they have been kicked out of their base position and they need somewhere to go. It, it was involuntary by nature. So this is a way that they are able to exercise their seniority rights to go where their seniority can hold. In most cases, I think people, they want to protect their captain position. So they've put in, if I get displaced, I want to hold a captain in this base, this base, or any base. And maybe they would rather protect their location. And so they're willing to bid down to an FO. But the point is, because they've been bumped, they have the ability to move wherever their seniority can hold throughout the system. Correct, which is distinct from the vacancy award portion where you can only go where there's an opening because the company doesn't want to create bump and flush environments. That's, I mean, that's traumatic for the pilot. It's expensive for the company. So vacancy awards are, you can only go there if there's an opening for you. And that's a good thing. I mean, otherwise, every time a position bid was, was run with vacancies, if someone senior you wanted to come in, they would push you out the bottom if there wasn't an opening. So you'd, you'd never really be secure in a base. We don't, we don't have that. Once you're in a base, you own that spot and you can only be pushed out by way of a reduction. Someone coming in to displace you 
just someone wanting to bid into that base and they happen to be senior to you, they can only come in if there's an opening. But a reduction bid changes all that. So it's it's almost better to look at it as kind of two different bids. There's the vacancy bid that we're all used to. And then there's this reduction process where the rules are different from the vacancy award process. Yeah, I think another thing maybe to keep in mind is that for some pilots, you know, what's good for them is not good for another. So you've, you've got the one pilot who wanted to switch bases and go down to L.A., for example, and sadly wasn't able to hold it and has to stay where he was. And then you have another pilot who didn't want to go to L.A., but because he's been bumped, that's how he's yeah. protecting his captain position. Exactly. And then uh, so you're, you're either, you know, senior enough that you're safe, you're, you're junior enough that you're exposed or there's this group who are kind of in the middle. They're, they're not quite senior enough to hold it during the vacancy award, but they're senior enough to avoid being displaced or reduced on the bottom end. And it's, it's just an artifact of the seniority system. And that's, that's how seniority plays out. Now, I, I suppose there might be some that wonder, well, why can't we go back and look at who wanted to move and have them be displaced instead? But, you know, the language isn't written that way, right? So it, it is what it is. Yeah, it, it's not written that way. I mean, to, to do it a different way would require, uh, well, different Section 24 language, which that's that's a whole other podcast and a, a whole other thing to address. Uh, but the, the way the language is written now, uh, position bids with vacancies and reductions, this is how it works. It's a It's a traditional vacancy award. And then if there are any outstanding reductions, it's a reduction award, and that's different. You know, part of the confusion arises when pilots come in with with legacy understanding of the way they used to do it at their carrier, previous carrier, and you know, other carriers have different ways of processing these bids, um, and we don't. So, if it's something that the pilot group as a whole wants in the future, there are ways to go about getting that, but. That language did not exist to process this bid. Well, I want to circle back to one thing you said earlier, just make sure we're clear on it. The You mentioned there were five days that pilots have to to give notice about what they intend to do if, if their uh, status has changed. Let's make sure we know what status we're talking about. Yes, excellent point. So by now, everyone who is on an EIL or a will be on an EIL uh, starting in October um, and and was a successful bidder or depending on how you want to look at it or facing a downgrade should have received an email from flight crew administration with uh, some information and specifically a form that that pilot needs to fill out. Now, the people that have to fill out this form are only captains who are being downgraded or first officers who were awarded upgrade positions. And only then if they're choosing to leave the EIL and, and train. So captains that are going to be downgraded to FO, if they decide that's too much of a financial hardship and they, they need to, they need to return to fly full time as first officers, they need to tell the company that in this five day window. Likewise, first officers who secured captain upgrade awards need to decide do I want to come in, train, and fly full-time as a captain? Or do I want to stay out on my EIL for whatever duration that may be and then do my captain training at the end of that EIL duration? 
either or you have five days with today being day number one to get that information back to flight crew administration because beyond that five-day window if they have not heard from you they are going to assume that you are exercising your right to remain on eil so for a, a captain facing downgrade if you don't respond in that time period you will be on eil as an fo starting one november is it fair to to describe it this way, the the only pilots who need to fill out that form are those whose pay rate would change based on what they were awarded. Yeah, essentially, if you're changing seats, you need you need to make a decision. If you are just changing equipment, going from Boeing to Airbus or Airbus to Boeing, you will stay out on EIL. You will not go to training until you are either recalled or the end of your EIL duration. And David, let me actually further clarify one more point. The the form I'm talking about actually has several different sections on it. The first section is the part asking you if, if you're an EIL pilot, essentially, do you intend to return or not? And, and that's what we've been talking about. The bottom part of the form has to do with folks. It's the normal form for folks heading into training. You know, what kind of start dates are you looking for when you're doing the sim? Do you want early morning sims, afternoon sims, that kind of that kind of thing. So if you're heading in for training, uh, you're going to be filling out the bottom portion of this form. But what we've been talking about is the very top portion of the form that's asking, you know, if you're facing upgrade or downgrade and you're an EIL pilot, what is your intent? Are you coming into train? Or are you going to stay out? All right, Will. Well, I think we've covered most of the questions that have been coming in and, and covered this topic fairly broadly. I want to thank you for coming in and explaining all of this, discussing it with me. And to our listeners, I hope this has cleared some things up, answered some questions. And listen, I know that the results of this bid are not necessarily intuitive. So if you still have questions, please reach out to your rep or your membership committee. And finally, I'd like to let you know about the next podcast episode. As I'm sure you're aware, the MEC quarterly meeting just concluded, and I will have a podcast for you with Will McQuillan. Ronan O'Donohue and Chris Gruner to discuss what occurred during that meeting. I hope you'll join me for it, and I want to thank you for joining me for this episode. Well, you've been listening to another episode of the Alaska Pilots Podcast. I'm your host, Strategic Communications Chairman, Captain David Campbell.